are in this series where we have been looking at the foundational principle as believers that we are all created, every human being is created in the image of God, and this should inform the way that we interact and engage with the world. Today, we are gonna be looking at a topic that many of us have a lot of questions about, or if you're, if you're me, a lot of confusion about. I was thinking about this and thinking about this, kind of how I feel about this topic, and it reminded me of this new game that uh, is kind of happening around the world called Wordle. Has anyone played the game Wordle yet? Okay, we got a few, Jill's in. Uh, I would encourage you, if you're, a, if you're into scrambling words and, and, uh, and, and love every day, if you look up in wordle.com, there's a word of the day and there's this puzzle where you try to solve in six tries these words. And I would love to explain the game to you, but I don't think this is the time. Long story short, Baran and I have been playing this every day, and she's been kicking my butt every time. She sends me, a, I send her a screenshot, I'm like, I got four out of six today, and she sends me, I got three out of six, and I text her back and say, you're a cheater, and then she says, you know, no I'm not, and, um, and, uh, and it's driving me crazy uh, that she is so good at this game. A part of this game is you're sitting here and you're looking at all these words and you're thinking about all the options. What is this five letter word? There's only one word and I gotta use all these letters and, there, and you have this moment when you're playing the game where all of a sudden it's like you think of the word. And it's like this revelation. And I think for me today we're gonna be talking about the issue of social justice. Social justice, and it seems to me this question that we have as we think about this is kind of like this game Wordle. We have this, we have, we're, we're thinking, what does this word social justice mean? What, 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 is, what is it for? What is it about? And, 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 and maybe for some of us we have this angst because the word has been ambushed or hijacked by different political ideologies, different understandings of what it means, and, and our initial reaction is, oh my goodness, this is, this is, just, this is just bringing about all these horrible things and, and this really, all these lies about who I am and what I believe. And as we look at Isaiah, it seems to me that my prayer is that we would kind of have that wordle moment today. If we would have that moment as maybe many of us have questions about what social justice for a Christian means, that we would come to an understanding where the light bulb goes on or maybe it is refreshed and we are reminded of what the Lord means when he tells us about justice. It seems to me as I've been reading and studying and thinking and praying about this today that we all believe in justice we all believe in justice, but we can't seem to truly grasp it. We can't seem to truly grasp what it means to have justice. As I've been reading and thinking and looking around um, the internet about, what, about a good definition of social justice, I've quickly come to realize that there's not really a good accepted universal definition of social justice. Because many, when they hear that word, they think of a political ideology or they think of, of different um, 
ways that people are not f- treated fairly or, or it gets into, into, into the, this, this, this particular cause or, or this thing, that, this, this ideology that is against me. And, 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 and there's so many different understandings and feelings about what social justice is. And oftentimes, social justice can be used as a tool of, of manipulation, a tool to, to, to bring about guilt on people, to really bring people down. And so when we hear this word, our initial reaction is maybe confusion or maybe even a little irritation. Do you feel that? Some of you? I feel that. I feel that when I have conversations oftentimes about social justice. And oftentimes my response in conversations, whether it's on Facebook or with friends or family, is honestly, it's just, I'm just not gonna talk. I'm just not gonna engage in this conversation because immediately I'm put into a certain group of thinking. And I think when we do this, we miss out on something. This last year, we read through the whole story from Genesis to Revelation. One of the things that struck me, especially in the prophets, was that God is not silent when it comes to justice. God is incredibly passionate and explicit to his people about justice. And it seems to me as we think about this, as we, as we think about what it means to be an Imago Dei people created in God's image, as we enter into these conversations right now together and in our groups, it's important that we are not a people that just are silent, that we step in and engage. And before we do that, I want to lay the framework of a question that I wanna ask every week. Church, what is your only comfort in life and in death. Would you say this back to me? That I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood. He has set me free from the t- tyranny of the devil He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Because I belong to him, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. This is the foundation of what we believe when we say we are an Imago Dei people. Our truth is that we belong to God. And so we're gonna seek his answer as a group of believers who are also belongers. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, I ask God as we look to your word, as we look to your answer to this contentious, confusing issue of social justice, God. Lord, we just wanna recognize that there's so many opinions and so many different ideologies about social justice. We, God, 
right now, in this moment, we just want to unplug from all of that. We wanna remove our biases and our opinions and all the different voices that are speaking into us and we just pray that we would be catalysts for your word. That you right now in this moment would speak into us. I pray, Lord, that we would be able to let this be something that is personal. That we would be able to leave today that much more excited about following you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. So as we think about justice, as we think about this issue, the conviction that I believe we're gonna land on today, I'm gonna, I'm gonna share with you where I think we're going to land, it's this. We are a church, we are a people who follow Jesus in redeeming justice. We are a people who follow Jesus in redeeming justice. This, I believe from scripture, is a paramount part of our conviction as people of God. In Isaiah, the passage that Jason read to us that we're looking at, I would encourage you, if you have your Bibles or your phones, to turn there, Isaiah chapter one. This is a book, a, a, a prophecy written to the people of Israel. It's warning them that something has gone wrong. They once were a great kingdom, but they have drifted from the ways of God. And the Lord is sending his prophet Isaiah to warn them and actually promise them that a, 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 another uh, foreign enemy is going to come in, the Assyrians and eventually Babylon are gonna come in and, and, and bring them out into exile as punishment for the way that they have drifted from the ways of God. And this is a theme throughout the book of Isaiah is this longing for the Messiah, longing for the one who will bring justice and also this prophetic word of correction to a people who have drifted from the ways of justice of the king. If you look at this in verse 10 of Isaiah chapter one, it frames this conversation as we ask ourselves, why is it important that we are a people who follow Jesus? Why is justice important in this conversation? In verse 10, God is talking to the people through Isaiah, he says, Hear the word of the Lord. This word here is Shema. It's a word that does not just mean, hey, I got something to say. It's, it's a word that expects obedience. It's a word that says, listen. Like when a parent says, listen, I need you to do this, and I expect you to respond from this. This is a strong word in the Hebrew language that says, people of God, I have something that I need to tell you. Hear the word of the Lord. And then he says a really, uh, you know, comforting word to them. You rulers of Sodom, give ear to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. Anyone know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah? I would encourage you to go and look it up. This is not a happy-go-lucky story. It's a story of judgment, of God's wrath and God's correction for a people that have completely drifted from his ways. From a, for a people that have been living in these very explicit and horrible sinful practices. 
And in this word, he says, he's calling his people, Israel, he's comparing them to Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm not sure there's a more explicit way to get their attention to say, there's something going on that is very wrong. He uses the word here, if you see in the ESV, it says, give ear to the teaching. The word, the Hebrew word here is Torah. When it says teaching, this is not advice. This word for Torah is the law, the ways of God. Not something that is just like a proverb that like, you know, if you listen to it, life will go well. God is saying, people of God, this is Torah. Listen to this. And then he goes in to this correction. And as we listen to these next few verses, it seems to me that the Lord is telling the people of God in this time, and I also believe right now, this truth, that people of injustice and apathy are worthless worshipers. People of injustice and apathy are worthless worshipers. That's a strong word. But we did just say, you are Sodom and Gomorrah. I feel like this is a very good strong word that we need to hear. I love the paradox or, or, or what's happening here when he says worthless worshipers. You see, worship is to give worth. It's to say, God, you are so big, you are so wonderful, I'm gonna declare your worth. But yet, in this passage, God is saying, as you people, you are worshiping me, you're worthless. That what you're offering to me, I can't even stand it, he's saying. Because there's something wrong with you. You can see this explicit call from God to his people. Look at what he says here. He says, what to me, in verse 11, is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord. He says, I've had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. This is the, the, the worship practices of the people. In the temple, they were called in the Torah to offer sacrifices to God. This is how they are able to be in his presence. And God is saying, all that worship that you're giving to me, I can't stand it. He says, when you come to appear before me, who has required of you this trampling of my courts? You're trampling around in my courts. Reminds me of my kids on a muddy day coming in with their shoes and, and not taking their shoes off. He says, bring no more vain offerings. Vain offerings. He says, incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. These are all religious practices that the people are doing, a part of their Sabbath practice, a part of what it means to be a people of God, to come and to worship and to say the prayers and to do the things and to, and to offer up the, 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 the sacrifices and to, and to have Passover. 
and to have these festivals, he's saying, I can't endure that. He says, your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. He says, when you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. At the end of our services every Sunday, I usually declare a blessing from God. And that blessing, it says, the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. That is his promise to his people. And yet here, the opposite of that seems to be happening. He is saying to his people, that benediction, I can't, I'm hiding my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not shema. I will not listen. And here's the reason. Your hands are full of blood. People of injustice and apathy are worthless worshipers. This week we're gonna be reading in our reading plan James 2 where James talks about this in the modern worship service, this idea of injustice and apathy. It seems to me in this passage that God wants to remind you and I this is an incredibly important and significant principle. I just wanna let that sit for a second. And then get to some good news. Because God doesn't just leave us with this feeling of, oh my goodness. He says, we learn also, yes, people of injustice and apathy are worth, worthless worshipers, and maybe I feel like, maybe I find myself to be in a place of injustice or apathy. He says this, repentance is the way of righteousness, I'm sorry, the way to righteousness and justice. Repentance is the way to righteousness and justice. We don't need to be in a place of being worthless worshipers. There is a way to, a way back into this calling that God has. Look at verses 16 and 17. He's basically just dropped this hammer on us. And then he says this, you just landed with your hands are full of blood. He says, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. Remove, this word for remove in the Hebrew is repent, is turn around. Remove the evil of, of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil, stop it. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, and plead the widow's case. This word of repentance I think this is so important. Because when we talk about justice, sometimes we just say, okay, this means I just need to do more things. 
My, my, my worship is gonna be worthy if I just go and I solve all of these injustices in the world. I'll give more money to the poor. I'll feed the hungry more. I'll, I'll be better with, with, with all this racial tensions going on. That is my way to be a worthy worshiper. And God here is telling you and I in this, he says, the first step to becoming worthy is not action, it is repentance. It's confession. Don't miss this point. In our day and age, we miss this. Commentator uh, Alan Moyer in his commentary on Isaiah says, obedience is not salvation by works. In this passage, the first obedience is to the command to wash and to come. And only thereafter are they to obey in a life conformed to the law of God. There is a call to justice. There is a call to this. And these words here are really important. When he says, do good, when he says, seek justice, these are principles, themes, motifs throughout the whole scripture that God is calling his people to. To do good is a word, or we see it oftentimes as righteousness. The Hebrew word here, a little uh, theology for you, a little seminary class, is tzedakah. And it means to treat others rightly as the image of God. This comes back to being Imago days. When he's saying to do righteousness, this is how we interact with one another. How we talk to other people who we disagree with, who have harmed us, who we have harmed, to treat them as image bearers of God. To bring equity to look at other people as, as with dignity, every single life. This relates to last week, we talked about the unborn, and we talked about from the, being a people who defend and cultivate life from the womb to the tomb. This, is, this relates to how we interact as humans. So we have this word of doing good. And this word of justice is mishpat. You'll see this throughout the scriptures. And as I've been looking at this and reading from different commentaries, it seems like a, a summary could be something like this. This is just a beginning of this conversation, but it has to do with an equal treatment of each other and special attention to the vulnerable. It seems to me that when God is talking about justice in his people, he says, you are to treat one another with dignity and fairness, and you must have this special attention to the vulnerable. In this passage, you see, what does he highlight? The widows and the orphans. He highlights for his people, we are thinking about those that are vulnerable, those that are far, that, that are voiceless. We hear about this, uh, a sister passage to this in the prophets. In Zechariah chapter seven, verse nine, Zechariah says, God is talking, he says, thus says the Lord of hosts, render true judgments, true judgments. Show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, that we would call that the immigrant, or the poor. And let none of you defies evil against one another in your heart. Tim Keller calls this the quartet 
calls it the quartet of the vulnerable. The poor, the widow, the orphan, the immigrant. Seems to be that God, as he's talking to his people, says we need to repent and we need to have this special concern for the vulnerable. And there needs to be this generosity about his people. And this is hard in our day and age. It's hard for many of us to think about what it means to give, to care for the poor and the vulnerable. I earned this money. I worked so hard for this. But in God's economy, the way that the Lord looks at our finances is very different. In God's economy, he says, I placed you in this family. I had you born in this time. I, I placed you in this geography with a purpose and a reason, and you are an image bearer. You are a representative. I have work for you to do, and all of your blessings, those are from me. Do with it as I have commanded you. Reminds us of the famous justice passage in Micah 6, 8, when God is talking to his people and another prophet, he says, he has told you, O man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, mishpat, to love kindness, how you treat each other, and to walk humbly with God. This is a part of this conversation. Famous passage also in this that people love to quote is Amos 5, 24, another prophet. I want you to see, the reason why I have all these texts, I want you to see that I'm not just like randomly picking a prophet that's, that cares about justice. This is a part of God's message to his people time and time again. Amos 5, 24, he says, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. That word justice and righteousness, that is mishpat and the other one, I don't remember how to say it. <laughs> Saying, people of God, you are to be a people of righteousness and justice. John Calvin, in his commentary, he says this, listen to this, he says, uprightness and righteousness are divided into two parts. First, that we should injure nobody. This is injustice. We would call this a sin of commission. I personally have sinned against somebody. I have sinned against them. I have taken advantage of my position. I have used them for my good in an unjust, unequitable way. And secondly, that we should bestow our wealth and abundance on the poor and needy. And these two ought to be joined together. For it is not enough to abstain from acts of injustice. See, for many of us, when I, for me, when I read this passage, I'm like, I don't think I'm a man of injustice. I feel like I, 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 I work really hard at not being one who acts out in injustice. Keep that quote up, I wanna keep going, sorry. But then there's this apathetic part of as God's people, God's not talking just to individuals, he's talking to a people, and he's telling you and I that if we see injustice, especially amongst us, simply turning a blind eye to that 
also is an issue. He says, if you refuse assistance to the needy, this is John Calvin, thought you guys would appreciate Calvin, he will not be of much avail to render your aid to the needy. If at the same time you rob some of that which you give to others, these two parts therefore must be held together, provided only that we have our love of our neighbor approved and accepted by God. We need to be a people that repent of injustice and apathy. Charles Spurgeon says, a church that does not exist to take the side of the poor, to denounce injustice and to hold up righteousness is a church that has no right to be. And as we read that and we think of that, you're like me, you start wondering, okay, what does this mean? Because as I look at that, and I pull up my phone, and I think about injustice, and I start to get a little overwhelmed with all the injustice that is happening, all the darkness in our world. Or maybe if you're like me, I go home, and it's a Sunday afternoon, and I just wanna take a nap. I just wanna watch the Buccaneers Lose to the Rams. Amen. It's Tom Brady, who can stand him, right? And my kids keep running around the house playing tag. And all of a sudden I yell out at them in anger, and I just heard like 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 don't be a man of injustice. They don't they don't deserve that, they're having a blast. Or my wife beats me in Wordle again and I, and, I, and I make some sort of comment that says that instead of just telling her, yeah, you beat me fair and square, I, I tell her, no, I, I don't even give it to her. Or I walk by somebody who, who, who is hungry and needy and, and I know that I should care for them, but that is such an interruption. I need to get to this next Events. I need, to, I, need to, I need to go home and take care of this, and I start to feel this guilt, and I start to feel like a worthless worshiper. I start to feel, oh man, I'm back in that category of I am a man of injustice, and I am a man of apathy. Listen, this is just the reality, my brothers and sisters. As we read this text, you hear this, are not just. You are not the perfect righteous one. When God here is telling his people, you need to be righteous, you need to seek justice, we fail every single time. This is the full story as we read the prophets. Why do you think they keep saying it? Because we don't get it through our thick heads that that's what we need to do, and we keep screwing it up. We keep living in injustice. The, the rich continue to, 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 to be unjust to the poor. The oppressed continue to live this out, and when they somehow get out of this, they do the same. This is a, it's like, it's deep within our hearts. What does Jeremiah say? The heart is deceitful above all else. My default is injustice and apathy. This is, I believe, so important to this conversation. And as you hear this, we don't serve a God who is naive. 
We don't serve a God who looks at you, who looks at my heart, and is just messing with us, knowing that we are gonna be in justice and, and we are so evil. That's not the part of the story. Keep reading, look at verse 18. Look at what he says. He says, come. Think of the paradox that is happening. He just said, I can't stand your, the way that you're coming to me. I can't stand these, the, all these all this righteous ways that you're, you're, you're coming to church, you're doing all the things, you're saying all the things, but there's something wrong with the way that you're living. Right here he says, come, let us reason together, says the Lord. He says, though your sins, my brother, my sister, are like scarlet. They shall be. He's looking ahead to something. They shall be as white as snow. Even though all these offerings and these sacrifices that you're giving to me are not good enough. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be looking ahead like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. If you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And as we follow this narrative, as we continue to think on this and we continue to see the people long for the shell, long for the, you shall do this, you shall have this white as scarlet or white as snow, no longer red as scarlet. In this story, we get to the Gospel of Luke and we learn that God in his sovereignty, in his incredible majesty being so much higher above us comes down to the poor to the unjust, to the ones who are totally, desperately hopeless. We are the people of injustice. We have acted out in injustice against him, and Jesus comes, perfect in every way. And I love this passage. I feel like whenever you're having a social justice conversation, you need to find your way to Luke chapter four, verse 17. Jesus has been doing his ministry, he's been healing people, you've been seeing all of this incredible work, and he walks into the temple, it says, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll, and he found the place where it was written, look at what's happening here. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news, gospel, to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, justice, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty, liberty those who are oppressed. Do you not see this beautiful story leading to Christ? And he began to say to them, today this Scripture has been, next verse, has been fulfilled in your hearing. And it tells us that he rolls up the scroll, kind of like a mic drop, 
and everyone's at the edge of their seat saying, did this just happen? Is Jesus of Nazareth really the Christ? Is he really the one that our longing said, can anybody bring this justice? Is he the one that right now in our world, everyone's wondering, we need justice. There's so much inequality, there's so much unfairness, there's so much evil in the world. Is he the answer to all that injustice? The scriptures tell us he is. Romans 5, 6 says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly, for the unjust. Church, as we have these conversations about justice, our confession is we can't do justice. Jesus is our redeeming justice. We can't do the justice. Jesus does. He is and he will. This is our response. Wordle. That moment when all of a sudden that five letter word comes on and you think, that's the answer. Jesus, a five letter word. The answer to all our issues is him, is God himself. And this is why as we started this I said, our conviction when we talk about injustice, when we talk about our apathy, is we are a people who follow Jesus in redeeming justice. Our eyes are on him and the way that he brings about justice. This is so paramount. Ultimately, he is the one that, 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 that does stuff, and we're still called to follow. We can't ignore the call to be a people of justice but it's in his steps. And so as you think about this on this Lord's Day, and you wonder how, I would encourage you to think about three things, starting with the letter T, around the word that is the way to justice, a way to be offering, is, it's, it's a word that we don't talk about enough in church, so we probably should talk every week. It's called repent. Remember in Isaiah when the Lord says, wash your hands, turn to me. As we think about this, many of us right now may feel, I don't wanna be that worthless worshiper. I don't wanna be the one that keeps showing up to church, I play church, I, I say the prayers, I, I do the Bible studies, I, I, I serve but I also live in unjust ways to others or I'm apathetic about some of the things that I see. I would just, if you share this conviction that we need to be a people of repent, it seems to me that we need to turn, trust, and try. We need to turn. We need to turn from evil, we need to turn from sin, we need to turn from the ways that we have acted out or maybe a spirit of apathy, a spirit of I just can't do anything so I'm gonna do nothing, a spirit of this is just such a big issue, I just can't do anything. 
We need to turn from that. But hear this, as you turn, you're walking in one direction. Repentance is not just about turning, it's about going in another direction. Trust Jesus. You still can't do the justice he is. You still can't do this, he is. And as you trust him, what did we confess in the beginning of this sermon? What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I belong to my faithful savior, Jesus. Body and soul. Way too often this conversation about justice is from a place of guilt. It's from a place you're not doing enough. And I believe as God's people, it needs to be from a place of grace. It needs to be a place from the Son of God who came down, saw me as I am, and turned my scarlet rags into be white as snow because of his work on the cross. I think this is so paramount to us when we get overwhelmed. Uh, there's a, a book by Kevin DeYoung called What is the Mission of the Church? He talks about this. In this, in this book, he talks about part of our response is he, he, he encourages you to think about moral proximity. This is what he means. As we think about our response to injustice, where are you where is there injustice in your proximity? Listen, you, you may not be in the White House. Maybe some of you are. Peace be with you. You may not be in the city on, 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 on the council. You may not be able to go to places and, and necessarily make an incredible difference with sex trafficking or, or, or with the poor in this one place, but you do live in Chowchilla, California, and there's a lot of injustice happening right in this place. You are a part of a family. You are a part of a people, and we need to think about, Lord, where are you calling me as an Imago Dei to be a people that seek justice, that continue to follow you as I trust you? Where is there injustice or apathy in my life that because you, not by guilt, but by grace, have called me in to do something? DeYoung says this, when it comes to doing good, in our communities, hear this, this is so important, and in the world, it's not turn every possibility into a responsibility and every opportunity into an ought. If you want to see our brothers and our sisters do more for the poor and the afflicted, we'll go further and be on safer ground if we use grace as our motivating principle instead of guilt. In a few moments, we're gonna take the offering. I wanted to do it after the sermon. This offering is kind of a very real tangible part of our service where we give back to God. And I was thinking of this passage when God says, your sacrifices Your prayers are worthless to me because of this. And I wanted to, before we take an offering, 
I wanted to ask you to first repent. Before we offer up to God, not just our finances, but also our prayers, maybe right now in your, in, your, in your pew there's a connect card, maybe you need to write down a prayer of repentance, a prayer that's something that you, has been happening in your life that you think God is saying, turn from this. And as the offering goes by, if you're brave enough, maybe stick that in the offering. And as, you, as we take the offering, as a part of our liturgy, as a part of our worship, the band's gonna come out and they're gonna sing this incredible song. From Revela- it's from Le- Revelation 5. Doug referenced it. In Revelation 5, it says, there's this question, is anyone worthy? And it says that Jesus comes and he opens the scroll and, he's, and, and everybody sings, he is worthy. And so as the band leads us in this song, I'm praying that you can have some communion with God right now. And as the offering plate goes by, whether you put something in there or not, say a prayer into that. And don't let it just be about, Lord, I don't wanna do this anymore, or I wanna do more of this. Let it be about, Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I trust that your grace is enough. I trust that there's nothing I can do to earn this. There's nothing that I can do to lose this. Then let's sing of the Lamb. Would you pray with me? And deacons, would you please come down at the end of this prayer, you can start taking the offering. Heavenly Father, thank you once again, Lord, for the reminder from your word today that you are a God of justice. But Lord, I pray that you, in only the ways that you can, by your spirit, would help this conversation not so much to be about the injustice around us, but about the injustice in our hearts. Lord, let this be for all who are here to be a time of us just saying, I turn to you every day, every minute, every morning when I wake up, every evening when I go to sleep. I, we are a people who repent, who continue to say, I turn from injustice and apathy, and I trust you, Jesus. I trust that your work on the cross is sufficient. I trust that you not only conquered death, conquered my sin, you resurrected and you are victorious and you are reigning in my heart. I trust you, Jesus, and I turn my eyes to you. May this be a time of your people right here in this place and watching online singing to you, Jesus, that you are worthy, that you are justice, that you are righteousness, that you reign here, you reign in our hearts, you reign in this this place, and you have worth work to be done, your work, not our work. We trust you. So come, Holy Spirit, and do your work in this time. In your name we pray, in the name of Jesus Christ, our justice.